Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Are y'all telling me that Ramona is posting pictures? Rapid fire of black women in her life to counter a narrative that she's racist. Yeah, yes. 100%. Avi. It does sound like a typical Ramona. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Real Housewives of New York and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills edition. I am sure that most, if not all of us, are just basking in the glow of the announcement of the major cast shakeup over at Real Housewives of Orange County. We lost Bronwyn, we lost Elizabeth, who I'm like, I don't really know her because I refused to watch last season anyway. Um, we, you guys, it happened. I mean, I can't even say we lost Kelly Dodd because Kelly Dodd lost herself a long time ago. So she was fired, truly did not think that this day would was going to come and I'm I really would like to know more about the thought process behind this taking so long um I just figured I think we all did we're like figuring that Bravo had just been like listen we gave you guys a bunch of cuts of racist people from Vanderpump Rules what more do you want from us we're keeping Kelly Dodd and we found out that we're free. Did you guys see the Instagram story of Kelly's um, in which Shannon comes over with her boyfriend and a bottle of Classe Azul and Shannon genuinely looks upset. Does she look upset because Kelly's leaving or does she look upset because Heather Dubrow is coming back? Woo! I am so excited about a Shannon and Heather season where we're now you know Heather's been gone but the fans have been clamoring for her all this time Shannon has um oh my god is Shannon now the senior most cast member on Orange County at this point I guess she I guess she has been was she last season as well I guess she must have been because Tamara and Vicky were gone anyway now she's like definitely the most senior one um 
by a couple seasons, I would imagine. And I'm just really excited. I don't remember a time where they ever really got along. There was that epic uh, argument that they got into in which Heather kicked her out of her home. I'm just really, really excited to see these two women be together and be head to head against each other. I cannot wait. This is my kind of carrying on. This is the sort of thing that I want from Orange County. This is what I need. This is what I need is like women who are just living off their husband's checks, alimony or otherwise, and just carrying on about things that really don't matter. Like I am excited to have this revival of Orange County. Didn't think it was going to happen. And yet here we are. It almost feels like such a blessing that you have to wonder what might be coming around the corner with bad news. But anyway, let's talk about Real Housewives of New York. I saw some people saying that this was sort of a boring episode, a sleeper episode, but I think it was a necessary episode. We have spent now months, it feels like, at Ramona's Hamptons house, and we needed our girls back in the city. Um, You know, Ramona's Hamptons house is never going to be Bluestone Manor. It's never going to be what we really need, which is a trip to the Berkshires, but it provides a certain panache not really what I'm looking for but yeah I I think in terms of this season I'm gonna need the girls in the city I'm I'm done with the Hamptons I I think I'm done um Leah is off the sprinter because Heather got in and called her a bitch and Leah threw her flowers at her and now she's in the house calling Heather a loser and a psycho and you know, Sonia's really just the only person trying to keep everything together. She's got everybody figured out. And she always, when two other women are fighting, she's like, oh, just let her do X, Y, Z. Just let her, just, you know, just leave her be. Just let her be. Like, she understands what every woman needs, but she's not in it. So she can only do so much and just try to, you know, just get her thoughts in over the shrill screaming of Leah or Luann or whoever happens to be doing it at any given moment. So then Heather comes back in the house, stares down Leah and says, you can't bully me. And Leah's like, listen, this whole situation is overkill. You know, like I am just going to go anyway. I'll, I'll, hang out with you guys, we'll do this. I think in this moment, Leah really realized that, does like, does Leah have a reason to not fuck with Heather? Absolutely. It is extremely weird that Heather would, I, you know, say the things that she said and do the things that she did on her podcast and then expect to come into the fold with these women and have everything being hunky-dory when you just outed Luann and Sonia as, like, coke addicts, basically, on your podcast. Um, I think that Leah also may have had, like, some perspective and was just like, why am I going so hard on this woman? I am going through some real shit in my actual family let me just drop this. Like, I'm, I'm sick of fighting with this woman. And just to pause, I heard that Ebony may have said that she and Heather have broken up, or not no, broken up, made up, because Heather had made some appalling comments in the aftermath of last week's episode and the episode before, in which she had said that 
Ebony, I think she had, she had said some pretty heinous shit. If you want to look at it, Google it. But she had said things that were pretty surprising that she basically like thought Ebony sucked and that she was, you know, trying to light fires and, and just saying some like very questionable things that I felt were like really strange coming from Heather seeing all the performative allyship that she's doing well maybe I guess it's not strange since it is performative okay I'm hearing myself now but anyway um Ebony said she and Heather have made up I I mean she's a better woman than me based on the stuff that I saw there would be no making up there would be no speaking you are blocked thank you no more um so all the ladies get into the van. They go to this talent show and Leah asks Heather, okay, what is it that you said to Ebony exactly? Because maybe I'm now just like blowing things out of proportion. I didn't, you know, like, let's just really get to the bottom of this. So Ebony says, maybe I misspoke, but what I thought Heather said was that she was felt as if it was irresponsible for Leah to not vote, to not exercise her right to vote. If she is able to do so and heather says that that's not what she said and leah says listen you guys here's the thing i don't really need you guys to like get all up in my face and like get aggressive to me about voting i don't give a fuck about the election right now i'm dealing with my grandma that is where my head's at that's not my voting is not my priority i hope you guys understand that i'm like going through some things in my personal life that are beyond what i feel about the election which is you know fair Mm. <laughs> fair um but yeah i mean everybody backs off they kind of make up and you know we move on with the 70s part i mean th- i felt like this was such a i mean i understand that like covid nobody could be there so it maybe doesn't maybe the party wasn't giving on tv what it was supposed to be giving but it just felt like such a weird almost like felt like a weird theme was it a party was it a pageant was it a dinner the whole vibe was just very strange because the decor was like 70s basketball high school gym homecoming with all the like streamers hanging all over the walls and then the stage for the pageant but then this like beautiful dinner table with like a tablescape on it in the middle that was like very bougie Hamptons and today and not 1970 um it was just like really odd the ladies walk in we meet Hank the event planner who was giving us a lot of like Willy Wonka style panache who clearly thought that like he was going to be this was his star moment that he was going to be like the guy from last season who was sipping the martini at the restaurant where Leah threw um, some crab or something at Ramona he thought that this was going to be his moment and bless him he tried didn't happen so sorry Hank um Lou has all um, sashes for everybody made, which was really the only part that I thought was cool. (laughs) She had sashes for everybody, like based on the location of where they live. Like Lou's was Sag Harbor and um, Sonia's was Upper East Side. Ebony was City Hall. Leah was downtown. Um, Sonia, excuse me, Ramona um, 
did not want to wear her sash because she wanted her titties to show. And again, where is the line with the respectability politics? Truly, like, Sonia has her pegged to a T later this episode. It's just, we're all living in Ramona's world to whatever she thinks in any given moment is acceptable or not acceptable and what's good for Avery's, um, you know, precious angel ears or not. And we're all just, like, living in this world and I'm tired of being held hostage to whatever remote <laughs> the world according to Ramona. And so like, I really want to laugh at her being like, I just want to put my best breast forward. And because I have great legs, but you can't see my legs in this dress. So I gotta get my boobs out. And I just like, I don't want to hear her because the fun of it is gone. Maybe I'm just like a little too sensitive from what's been happening in the past few episodes and especially the preview for next episode where Ramona really shows her ass and she's like, Oh, Luann, hold my uh, Ramona Pito Grigio. I'm gonna uh, really white woman the fuck out of Ebony next episode. And so maybe I'm just a little bit sensitive from that, but I just like knowing that like her whole respectability politics brought on this like whole race conversation it's just like ugh, I, I can't I can't with your titties I can't with your legs all the ladies get on stage they do their talents Luann does a, a baton routine which you guys I felt like Luann maybe was like pretty on the nose with her talent it felt very 70s it felt very retro I famously did baton when I was five and I regret it to this day that I quit you know, I feel like learning baton is like a real bad bitch move. All the dexterity with your fingers. I don't know what I would do with them, but you know, it's a fun little trick. Um, <laughs> Ramona's uh, talent, if you could call it that, was the strangest thing. <laughs> the um, I'm going to do a little routine for you guys, a little bicep curl with a three pound weight um, and do 40 push-ups? Okay. Okay, interesting. I do think it's fair to note that after, you know, years of uh, this, like, um, hypnotized, uh, separated wife look that she had had stomping down the runways of various fashion shows in New York, it seems like Ramona has gotten the hint that, you know, maybe we should just not do the human equivalent of what it looks like a snake unhinges its jaw to eat its prey with the eyes and she still looks unwell but at least less of her cornea is showing um leah shows everybody what i'm assuming she had been practicing for burning man that she wasn't able to go to which was the hula hoop thing um can somebody please can somebody please putting a request out there. If somebody could do make a gif of Luann doing the hula hoop around her neck last week, I just need it like for science, for uh, personal comedy reasons. And I just need that to happen. So if anybody can make like a high quality gif, please. Or if you found one, send it my way. I would be so appreciative. Heather does a whack-ass cheerleading routine and Ebony and Leah are whispering to each other like, where do you think she learned that from? And Ebony's like, I think she found it on YouTube before she got here. Like, what? I don't know what this is, but she wasn't going to win anyway. Um, Sonia comes out looking like uh, Judy Funny from Doug and 
rubs a handkerchief on her vagina. Ebony does a spoken word, really more of a speech about black women. And, you know, Ramona's had enough at this point. It, clearly her, her cup is about to runneth over. And she's like, you know, why can't we just have fun for one night? Like, you can't have fun. Stop being racist. You can have fun, all the fun you want, Ramona. <laughs> How about that? As much as I'm mad at Luann, I did find it very funny that Leah ends up winning winning the competition and she says in her confessional, I just feel like Hank didn't know my story. I just can't believe I won. There's no way that this was, uh, you know, pre-planned and like this felt like a real win for me. It can't have possibly been rigged and then cut immediately to Luann who was like, oh yeah, I totally rigged it. I felt bad for her. She needed a win. Like, yeah, obviously. (laughs) Ebony got second runner-up. She, like, jokingly gets pissed at Leah and pretends to stab her, which is exactly what I would do. And just another reason, let's chalk that up on the board, another reason to love Ebony is that if she feels even the slightest bit of disrespect and indiscretion on her name, she will stab somebody, even her closest friend. That is the kind of woman you want in your life. I, You know? There's no... No, no lie detected on that one. So the next morning, Ramona and Luann are in the kitchen and I love like Ramona's just stray um, scrunchie in her hair that didn't really seem to be serving any purpose. It was hanging on for dear, dear life, but it was there. It was there. Um, much like Coco. <laughs> it's truly shocking that you're still around, but happy to see you, I guess. Um, The next morning, like I said, they're in the kitchen. Leah already left and they're kind of talking. She's like, oh yeah, I I noticed that Leah left. She didn't text me or anything, but you know, like it's fine, whatever. And then she, Ramona looks at her phone. She's like, oh, you know, look at me. I just said that she didn't text me back and here I get this text from Leah. So Luann comes over and she starts to read the group chat that Leah sent, which is like, you know, thanks for understand. Thanks for being so understanding for me this weekend. And then she says, and then sadly, and then Ramona like dramatically drops the phone on the kitchen counter. It's like, oh my God. She she said a grandmother pass. And I'm not making fun of, like, this is her being, like, high drama. <laughs> so then Luann and Ramona go into a competition of, like, who is going to pretend to cry the hardest? They both, like, <laughs> it was like, you know, when one baby cries in a room, the other baby starts to cry. And there's really no reason for it. But... There's no reason for the first baby to cry. There's definitely not a reason for the second one to cry. That was basically this moment where Ramona's like, okay, it's very sad. You don't, you're not required to cry for her. You can feel sadness in your heart. And frankly, like, you don't really need to be busting through your Botox to like try and form an emotion anyway, right? Like, isn't that doing, undoing all the work that you had done? So anyway, she's like, oh, oh. And then Luann's like, oh, God, neither of them are crying. This is the reason why I'm making fun of them is because neither of them are actually crying. And just don't fake the funk, girl. You could just be upset. Just say that you're upset. (laughs) Just say that you're upset. So then after that acting class, um, Ramona picks up her phone and starts to do a voice to text saying, you know, so terribly sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry I didn't get to see you. I'm so sorry you didn't get to see your grandmother before she passed. And Luann's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you don't need to text her that right now. Maybe you don't need to, like, remind her that she didn't get to see her mother, grandmother on her dying day. 
because she said in the text that her mom texted her on her way to New York that her mom, her grandmother passed and that, you know, now she's not going to see. So you maybe let's not rub that, rub that in right this second. And I think it might make her feel bad. And so we're like, it's like, oh, try to scramble to like figure out what else to say. And Luann's like, you know, maybe just don't say anything right now. How about that? And then in a confessional, Luann says, this is why Ramona is not my emergency contact because there's no emergency that Ramona is ever going to make better. And I wanted to laugh, but I'm still mad at Luann and damn it. The bitch looked good in her confessional too. Her like green confessional look, very pretty, gorgeous. And it makes me angry. And it reminds me of a quote that Dolores from New Jersey said about uh, Ramona is she, the old bitch looks good. I'll give her that. So then all the other women wake up and they sit down for breakfast. And I mean, it's like, I assume you guys all got the text or you saw the text and everybody had seen it except for Sonia and probably also Heather's, I imagine not actually in the group text, but she tells them, you know, Leah's grandmother did pass this morning and I FaceTimed with Leah and Leo seemed like she wasn't completely devastated, but there was part of her who was, that was, you know, wondering whether she should have even gone on the trip and Ebony was relating or trying to relate to Leah with her grandmother and saying, listen, just live in the memory of knowing the last time you saw your grandmother, she was like of sound mind. She was awake and conscious and you probably didn't want to see her on her last days, like in her slow decline. And she's dealing with uh, her grandmother passing. Her grandmother has Alzheimer's and she has, I guess, made the decision to kind of separate herself from that because she doesn't want to see her grandmother not being herself. And then she does a pretty shocking and compelling reveal, which is that she starts off by saying my Mom now is about to be the only living relative that I have. But last year there was a girl named Ashley who reached out to me and said that she is my sister through my father. And then she tells a story about how, listen, I, my mom has been very candid with me about the fact that she assumes that there is this man named Kenneth who is my biological father, but there is a very distinct chance that that might not be the case. And also that her mom is really not trying to figure it out. But Ebony says, you know, I think I want to meet her and figure it out. And she had this conversation with Ashley and Ebony was like, well, why would you even assume that I'm your sister? And Ashley was like, well, cause my grandma has a picture of you on her mantle. She's had it my whole life and everybody's, described you as my sister so she's gonna go on the journey to figure out if it's true heather chimes in and says you know i want to share with you guys a conversation i had with ebony early and ramona's like oh i don't want to hear any preaching you know like i just can i just eat my expensive croissant please and they're like no just just shut up <laughs> Like Sonia has had enough with Ramona and I am loving it. Like I am just loving this. I love Ramona, but I'm sick of her shit and I'm sick of her antics and I'm going to call her out for it. I am loving Sonia these past few episodes and really every episode. 
truthfully. Um, but Heather goes on to say, shockingly, that she realized that she called Ebony articulate in the episode before. And she was like, I just like can't believe I said that. I meant to say that you were eloquent and I just it was not the right thing to say. And, um, you know, I hope you weren't offended. And Emily was like, I know you meant no harm. Like I get it. You weren't trying to be malicious, but just a lesson for us all very quickly. Um, the word articulate is a trigger for me because black people in this country are not expected to speak the King's English properly. And Luann's like, Oh, like Ramona. confessional ebony says you know it's been a long weekend but i'm just surprised at all of the opportunities we've had to have these conversations and pleasantly surprised so now we're done with the hamptons ladies are back in the city ramona has a meeting with a man named michael because she wants to get into real estate something that once she said it i was like damn you should have been doing this all this time bitch like how has Ramona not gotten into real estate until now? It she, she has a real estate personality. She truly does. And side note, do you guys know that Kelly Bensimone is now like a very successful real estate agent? <laughs> and also, if you have a moment, like if you feel in your heart and your mind, like you're sitting down, you have some free time with yourself and you're like, listen, I want to see somebody who has truly no idea on how social media trends work and what TikTok is for, go over to Kelly Ben Simone's TikTok and just see her attempt to relate to other humans and what she thinks internet culture is. It is a wild ride. So back to this meeting with Ramona, Michael starts talking about how in the real estate world, things have changed and the language has evolved and there are certain terms that we don't use anymore that we used to use back in the day. Like we don't say master bedroom anymore. We don't call, you know, like a his and hers bathroom they don't use anymore. And, um, you know, you call it the main bathroom one or main bathroom two and you call a master bedroom the primary bedroom and different things and Ramona's like oh yeah like it's called being like politically correct or is it called being socially aware is it both (laughs) what world does she live in (laughs) it is truly we are getting as much as America I think at large is getting a lot of lessons from these women of color and black women coming onto these white franchises Beverly Hills, Dallas, now New York, as much as I feel like white people are getting a taste of what it is like for us, I feel like Ramona in the past few episodes, I'm getting a feel of what it's like to be that type of white woman. The fact that she just lives in a world where even the term politically correct, a term that I have heard all of my life being used, not necessarily even in my household, but as a, just like a very general term that I assume everybody knew is that she, Ramona, who's, you know, uh, 4,700 years older than me, just floats into the world without a real clear understanding of what 
politically correct means. It's just fascinating. It's like being on another planet. (laughs) And then Michael brings up, uh, you know, classic, specific New York uh, real estate term of, you know, clearly Ramona only wants to sell houses in the Upper East Side and in the Hamptons and, you know, all the places where she vacations and Palm Beach and Aspen. And um, so using the term steps away from the park if you're off Fifth Avenue means like you're steps away from Central Park, but they don't use the phrase like steps away because that is not inclusive towards people who can't walk. Now what Ramona says. So Michael says, Oh, you know, we don't call properties off fifth Avenue steps away from the park anymore. And Ramona's like, Oh yeah, somebody told me that because, because of the invalids, invalids, bitch. I bitch. Invalid. What the 1932? How? You don't know what <laughs> you have a tangential knowledge of what the term politically correct is, but invalid, you've just got right in the hip, right in the holster there. I mean, the irony, <laughs> invalid, where, what, where did she get this from? An old Shirley Temple movie? Like it, who, <laughs> who was she talking to? Who is she talking to? Because that person must have used that term in the conversation. Girl, I I shocked. Michael's like, um, I don't think. <laughs> no, maybe not that word. And Ramona's like, oh, handicapped people handicap people and it's like oh my god oh my invalid girl let me move on <laughs> next we invalid okay next we see ebony and leah meet up at trinity boxing with martin sony's going to be joining them it is the day after uh Leah's grandmother's wake. So Leah's feeling, you know, a little bit fragile. She says she's still really emotional, but talking about the ceremony, how it rained the whole time. And it was just a sad experience. And she's like, I just kind of don't know what my family looks like without my grandma. But what I do know is that I, any decision that I make moving forward, I'm going to be doing it with my grandma in mind because I want to make her proud. So the way I interact with my mom, the way I, you know, interact with my daughter, the way I went interact with you guys, I just want to honor her at all times. Sonia shows up and this is sort of, Leah tells us that she has now teamed up with Ebony. So Ebony is going to hook Sonia up with a dating coach, uh, matchmaker. And Leah's like, I want to help too. We're going to tag team this because we're tired of seeing Sonia getting stepped on by Luann and Ramona, and we want her to recognize that she is the queen. She's the main character on the show, and she needs to know that. Sonia shows up, and she is so excited to meet Martin for the first time. She runs in his arms, and then I look behind Martin as he and Sonia are embracing, and there's a chalkboard, and the chalkboard has the names of the housewives and their relations but there's never any explanation. So I have to imagine what happened is before Sonia got there, 
Martin, who we all know has, um, you know, um, eggs a la Francais <laughs> for a brain and cannot, that's mean, <laughs> that's mean, but we know, we know that Martin's a little punch drunk and he's also funny. And I think he kind of leans into this, like, I think he leans into that. Right. So, um, there's on the chalkboard, it seemed, what I'm assuming happened is that Martin was confused about who Sonia and Luann were. Like, he knew Sonia was coming, but he probably thought it was Luann. So they probably explained to him, Sonia, because it's on the board, Sonia Morgan, and then a dash down, like a like you would do in a family tree, and then it says J.P. Morgan. And then with then under that, it says uh, Luann dash the count and then under that says tom diag like tom diagostino so (laughs) clearly he had like been trying to piece together who these two women were but something something got jumbled along the way and that is what i'm assuming happened because we'd never see any full explanation for why that chalkboard is there so the three women get into the ring with Martin and Sonia's being a little bit hesitant and she is, you know, the girl, Leah's doing her punching exercises like jab, jab, hit, whatever, cross body, uh, taekwondo, whatever, tai chi. And then Sonia gets in and she's like, doesn't really want to punch. And then they're like, okay, Sonia get in there with Martin by yourself. So she gets in there, Martin's wearing a helmet and she's like, why don't I have a helmet? And Martin says, oh, it's because I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> so then Martin starts to, uh, you know, get Sonia riled up and he's like, who are the girls that are mean to you? And she's like, Luann and Ramona. And then Martin says, what did she say to you? And Leah yells from the sidelines, uh, she called you a slut. <laughs> so then Martin's like, you're punching me with these like half ass punches. This is how you punch a person that called you a slut. Imagine if I called you a slut, how would you punch me? And then she fucking wails on him. She gets him to the corner. It was like a whole moment. And I loved just seeing Sonia take back her power. I loved it. I'm loving these. Like, it's almost like a, like a throwback to like an eighties or nineties teen movie where they're like, here's this gem of a woman. It's like, she's all that. We're doing a remake of she's all that where we're getting our confidence back. We're, you know, we're going to see Sonia come down the stairs to kiss me. And it's going to be a whole moment. Slow motion. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, I want a man for Sonia. Why haven't we found like an eligible bachelor for Sonia? There needs to be a spin. Why don't they do a spinoff for Sonia? If Shep can get a whole season of relationship, we can get welcome to Morgan Manor. We, we can do that. We can do that. I'm going to greet, ooh, Andy, holler at me. Anyway, it's finally election day, a.k.a. um, Tom and Erica divorce day. (laughs) By the way, if you guys want to hear me talk about the Hustler and the Housewives special that came out, you can listen to me on Patreon, patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. I talked for an hour about it. It was, ooh, what a treat. What a treat that special was. Um, We see a short clip of Leah in the car with Martin about to go vote and Martin's like a vote for Dinsdale (laughs) I I need more I want scenes of Ebony and Sonia and then Martin and Tinsley 
Martin was Tinsley's greatest asset in terms of her um, emotional well-being. And I need her back in the city. I need them to just have a moment with each other where he gets her back up on her feet from having to go to Chicago and attempt to marry a man who looks like a packet of tuna, you know? I, I need that for her. Um, we see short clips of the ladies, like, recording themselves going to vote. We didn't see any of Sonia, did we? Did we? Maybe we did. <laughs> Maybe we did. Um, we see Luann voting in Southampton with her dog, Aston, R.I.P. We see Ebony in her AKA sweater. She's like, I'm not here to support my sorority sister Kamala Harris we see Ebony at home because she's about to host an election day party and she gets her very cute puppy and ice cube and I just want to say as somebody who is a professional in the pet sitting game over here in New York an ice cube here and there is a great treat especially during these hot summer months however don't be too liberal with giving them to your dogs because dogs really, their stomachs can't handle the cold. And sometimes if they have a more sensitive stomach, it does cause them to throw up. It's not like a big deal, but do you really want to make your dog throw up? No, you don't. So let's just be a little judicious with our ice cube giving. Leah shows up to Ebony's house in a black t-shirt with a tutu, like a long trained tutu attached to the back. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I feel like I complimented. I put myself on the line. Thank you very much. Brave. Thank you. Um, dangerously putting out there that I thought that Leah's uh, little three jean pants situation was very cute, very British, very funky and fun. Okay. But now she's gone too far with this damn tutu and I just don't want to talk about it. She has extended my good graces and my goodwill and I don't appreciate it. She's taken things entirely too far. Luann for some reason shows up in a JFK mask and she also bought several other masks and I'm not sure who she thought was going to be wearing those but I guess it's safe to say that she uh, voted for Biden. I guess that was our indication. Um, she also tries to do a Boston JFK, Massachusetts accent that really just sounded more British than anything. And it honestly took me a second. I thought it was going to be Dorinda, but then I saw, you know, a chunky turquoise ring on a gnarled finger and I knew it had to be Luann. Leah's sister, Sarah shows up and, uh, at one point, Lou was like, I'm kind of, excuse me, I think it was Luann who says, I'm kind of surprised that Ramona's not here right now. And everybody else like, are you? <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. And I'm not sure why you would be, girl. And then Leah tells everybody that Ramona had been planning on being in Long Island or on Long Island during election night because she was scared about the looters and the rioters. And then we get a confessional of Leah's like, I live in a high-rise doorman building. So does Ramona. I think she would have been just fine in the city. Now, I know that they boarded buildings up and all of that. But Ramona, truthfully, did you think that they were going to take you like the purge? On 
bigger fish to fry, Ramona. I know that you're like the 1% of the 1%. You made us very clear last season, but I think you'll be okay, Ramona. I think you'll be okay. Leah also brought her dog over and her dog has absolutely no home training because he got up on the coffee table with all of the little nibbles and the food that they had. And I loved Ebony talking about how uh, Angel, Leah's dog Angel was bad and how she was teaching her dog Carrie to be bad. Cause later we see Carrie up on the kitchen table, trying to get him a little a filet and <laughs> just, just hell, just absolute hell. Was anybody else surprised that Luann was able to accurately predict that we would not find out the election results for several days? Because I was. <laughs> then Ebony introduces her party that she's going to be having the next day. It's going to be a night in Harlem with Ebony William and, Ebony Williams and friends. And Luann starts snickering. And I wanted to just be like, skirt, like, let's pause here. Because she was snickering in a way that was like, Ebony, don't you think you're taking this a little seriously? Um, Miss uh, Cabaret? Miss, um, I didn't go get food for my friends in uh, South Florida because I went to go look at a poster with my picture on it outside of a building. Um, now you want to crack some jokes and some snickers about everybody, somebody taking something too seriously? Okay. Interesting. Sicko for Cabaret. Sonia walks in in this really cute kind of like Jackie O inspired dress and a tiara and then she reveals that she's wearing red panties and shows them to everybody. Thank you for democracy, you know, just, <laughs> just <laughs> hands across the aisle joined together in, in Sonia's panties. Um, when, then we see Leah and all the girls talk about the dress code for Ebony's party and Sarah, Leah's sister is like, Oh my God, you guys, thank you for talking about this dress code. Leah texted me and the text that she sent me was like her <laughs> autocorrect fucked up. And Leah's text to Sarah said that she should wear like Satan glitter. But what she meant was sequin glitter. She's like, I thought I was going to have to show up like in horns or something. <laughs> God, Leah's in a confession like if Sarah had showed up to this party looking like a white devil in Harlem, it really would not have been a good look. Ramona ends up calling the women on FaceTime and before Ebony answers the phone, she says, I want to know what the stinger's up to, and Sony else, she's probably in her house boarded up. <laughs> Sony's really got jokes. And I'm here for that. I'm here for the great roast of Ramona Singer. I, I'm here for that. Um, Ebony asks uh, Ramona, like, are you going to come to the party the next day? And she's like, you know, I looked into at the news in New York City and I just, you know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be not safe. So I think everything's going to be all under control. And she's really thinking like it was about to be some mess in Manhattan because of the person that you voted for, Ramona. How are you going to vote for somebody and then and then hide and be scared about the potential reaction to the person that you voted for? You should have stayed to your ass right in the middle of Fifth Avenue, just right right there and right outside Trump Tower and showed showed everybody who you voted for. Anyway, um Sonia and the confessional's like, when does it have to be a safe zone for Ramona to go there? Like 
she just didn't want to go to a political event. That is it. When Ramona, when it comes to politics, Ramona is a single issue voter, and that issue is what is good for Ramona. And then she starts laughing. She's like, "Sorry, not sorry." So they get off the phone with Ramona, and and Sarah's like, "You know, you know, because we forget that like Ramona and Sarah have this weird history with each other because." Leah invited her, Sarah, to Rhode Island, and then Ramona didn't want her there, and then she said she could come, and then she didn't, and then she took it back, and then she said, and then it was like a whole thing, and then she acted all bothered and, like, so rude to Sarah when she actually did get there, and it's all... So, like, Sarah doesn't fuck with Ramona, and she's like, you know, I feel like Ramona kind of plays both sides, and everybody's like, honestly, I think Ramona, wherever the hell she is at, she's probably having her own little Republican Trump supporter Keep American Great party. And frankly, she's a hypocrite. And then Sonia says, you know, Ramona's been very different since you met her, Ebony. And she posted a picture of you on Instagram. And I just thought that was funny. And Ebony's like, why? And Sonia's like, I gotta speak my truth because I'm an intuitive girl. And I just found it very manipulative because my girl Ramona is a master of manipulation. And she posted and listen, I'm all for me up for meeting new girls, but you know, she posted this picture of this new woman and I, it's not something that I would do ever. I don't like it. I don't like it. So Ebony and Leah are like, why don't you like it? And Luann says, I think what Sonia's trying to say is that Ramona posted that picture of you with you, Ebony, as an agenda. And then they make a point that Ramona posted another picture after that with Bershon, the lady who's going to be a friend of, I believe we meet her next week. And the caption was like, Oh, congratulations for being on the show. Like I'm, you know, I'm so excited. And, and, Leah's like, you know who Ramona's never posted a picture of? Me. (laughs) So Ebony stands up and is like, okay, you guys, let me understand what you guys are saying. You're saying that Ramona's posting pictures of herself with black women in rapid fire to counter a narrative that she's racist. And then they post confessionals, like, back to back, the reactions from Sonia, Leah, and Luann. They're like, obviously. Yes. That's right. No no doubt about it. <laughs> I kind of found it interesting that Luann did not take up or defend Ramona at all. Didn't you guys? I thought she would maybe like, you know, they're, they're like presented over the se- the beginning of the season that they were close friends now. I just thought that she would be a lot more defensive of Ramona, considering they're not too unlike each other, but for the parts that they're not alike, uh, Luann threw her girl right under the bus. Not that I'm saying Ramona deserved to be saved. I'm just saying I'm surprised that Luann did not save her. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Sonia goes on to say, listen, Ramona's my friend and I love her, but I just don't like people who wear the handbag and then throw it away. Meaning, I you, you're trying to present yourself as this woke liberal person who supports different causes and it's just all very performative. And then in the, you know, harshness of the, you know, in the light of, what is the phrase? <laughs> In reality, you're basically not fucking with him. It's all just like performative. Put it that way. So Ebony's like, okay, so you guys don't like performative allyship. And Sonia's like, I hate it. It's fake. You shouldn't do it. It's fake. Shut the fuck up unless you're living it, you're feeling it, and you're breathing it. That's it. I love Ramona Singer, but you don't fucking post a picture and say I like my new friends. I don't like it. Period. (laughs) And then in a confessional, Leah says... Okay, we wanted Sonia to gain confidence, but I think we may have created a monster. <laughs> I was loving this. I mean, if Sonia is going to, like, get drunk and rant about something, have it be about um, how her friends, how her very best friend, who she loves very dearly, is also, like, a hypocrite, manipulative bitch who uses race and to make herself look better. And surrounds yourself with black people and take post pictures of them like they're BFFs when they're really not. Call it out. I'm loving it. <laughs> By the way, Ebony had a friend there that we didn't really get to see feature too much, but she was a friend. The friend gets up, not sure where she's going, but Sonia follows after her. So wherever she wanted to go, uh, she didn't get to go. Sonia's drunk. <laughs> she follows after the friend. She starts rambling about how... Um. Ramona hasn't been manipulative for years and she's a master manipulator and Ebony turns to everybody else on the couch and they're just watching Sonia rant at Ebony's friend and Ebony's like, yo, what is she doing? What's going on, dude? (laughs) And they're like, oh, she's been drinking. (laughs) She's at her limit. And then in a confessional, Ebony's like, Sonia has a tolerance of a seventh grader. (laughs) She can have about a glass and a half of white Zinfandel, and then it's over. And Luann is like, I, I can't deal with this. I'm getting anxious. I gotta leave. I don't like seeing Sonia like this. Um, 
Then Sonia sits down and she starts taking up the space and keeps rambling to everybody about how she loves Ramona and, and Luann and she'll punch anybody who says that they don't like them. But Ramona's a master manipulator who thought that posting on her page would make her look good. And she's like talking about how I'm not a social person, which I'm not sure what she meant by that. And how Ramona and Luann go out and have sex with guys and then marry them and how they shit on her relationships all the time. And, Angel ends up biting Leah in the nose <laughs> in her like freshly redone nose. And she's like, you know what? I got to go too. she, she touched my nose. I'm out. And I just want to like, congratulate. Let's end this real housewives of New York episode recap with congratulating Leah. Cause if I will give her one thing, it's the fact that she has only now mentioned her nose job twice in the seven episodes that we've seen this season, where has Kyle Richards over in Beverly Hills has mentioned it about every 15 minutes in every episode that has aired this this season. So shout out to you guys. Let's move on to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Am I an important friend to you? Yes. Do you want to make this effort with me? Like, do you want to invest in our friendship like this? I think I have. (laughs) Then don't ever talk to me like that again. Because that's not what friends do. You're actually turning around to me and putting you, our friendship on the line because I said to you, can you not you, interrupt yeah, another sentence of mine? Do, it, it was one time Should I, I say spoke. that to you? you literally, literally, last year you said, F- you, Dorit, F- you. You break down in F- you. F- you, Dorit, you don't get to tell me how I feel and react to things, okay? Did I turn around and say to you after that, you know what, you want to be friends with me? Don't ever speak to me that way? No, I didn't. All right, so before we get into Beverly Hills, I obviously have to issue an update to what has been happening with the Erica Jane, Erica Girardi lawsuit of it all, because as most of you, if not all of you know by now, Erica's lawyers from her bankruptcy case dropped her after the Housewife and the Hustler special dropped on Monday. So on Tuesday, her, the attorneys filed paperwork um, stating that they wish to re- withdraw the representation. And in a quote, they said, the relationship of trust and confidence that is essential to a properly functioning attorney-client relationship has broken down. And in the good faith assessment of counsel, the relationship is irreparable. Withdrawal is appropriate under such circumstances. Um, they also said that Erica was notified of their decision on Monday and And they had advised her of the potential consequences of not timely um, securing replacement counsel. Now, the weird thing is, I mean, everybody was like, dog with a bone. Oh, my God. Obviously, this is, um, you know, telling the attorney saw something in this documentary that led to this situation that they felt like it was not worth continuing this case. Typically, I mean, we all know, right, that like lawyers often have to represent bad people and their job is not to necessarily condemn that person but their job is to defend them and you know create reasonable doubt or you know whatever happens in most cases right so for them to just like drop out of the lawsuit altogether from my understanding is just like a complete breakdown that they feel like they're client is not cooperating with them is not being honest with them is not whatever and so they're just like bitch uh thank you next bitch like we're out of here okay so the weird thing is is that two days after so thursday they filed documents to 
cut ties with the star, they had a change of heart. And so they filed on June 17th, uh, the attorneys that dropped her, um, have formally withdrawn their motion to withdraw as counsel. And there's really been no statement as to why that is, but I have never heard of that happening. Granted, I'm not in law, but that seems like a very rare thing for them to be like, you irreparably damaged our relationship to now we would like to take it back. I don't, if I were Erica, I would, I feel like I would be like, well, fuck you guys. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you could continue your relationship. And I'm just dying to know what it is that made them feel like they had to withdraw in the first place. And what happened when they were like, oh, oops. Uh, remember that thing that we said? Never mind. I, that's just very confusing to me. Very confusing. Um, but yeah, that's it for Erica. Like I said, if you guys... You heard me. Patreon. It's on Patreon. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's talk about the episode of Beverly Hills. Another election day, election week episode. And I have to say I'm really enjoying these, like, dual timelines on New York and Beverly Hills. Now, granted, I feel like this probably happens more often than we think, but because they don't often bring like real current events, major headlines into their story and to the show. We don't often see that like these things are happening around the same time, but I just like, I'm liking the duality. I'm liking the parallel universes that are happening on Beverly Hills in New York. Um, so this episode drama it begins straight with drama. It, it was a drama sandwich starting and ending with Erica Jane. It's a slow motion sunrise over L.A., palm trees, a black car driving down an empty street, and a voiceover of Erica saying, you know, there are so many layers to this divorce. It's so fucking complicated. It's very difficult to explain. Erica is in the car. They have footage of her in the car kind of looking wistfully out the window and then uh, just a very quick glance at the camera, the GoPro that's set up in the corner. And it's just very, like, it was provocative. I have to say. I have to say. Also, do you think that this was purely coincidental that this Housewife and the Hustler special came the same week as the divorce announcement? Or the lead up to the divorce? Do you think that that is kismet? Or do you think that that's somehow something that they planned? I don't know how they would know, but like, I, I just thought, I found all of this, all of this is very interesting. It's all happening all together and I'm liking it. Um, the rest of the women are waiting for Erica to arrive and we see her walk down this pathway to Kyle slash Sutton's house in a very like Melania, um, my older man is an evil scammer, but I can still turn a look kind of way. You know, um, then we see on the screen three days earlier, election day, 2020 Kyle's setting up her house for a party. And she says she doesn't typically discuss politics, but this is the most important election of our lifetime. And it's like, yeah, do you not typically discuss politics because of your mother-in-law? 
your uh, Trump supporting extremely racist and weird mother-in-law. Do you guys know? I, I'm sure you guys know. I wouldn't insult your intelligence, most of you, by saying that you uh, don't know this. But uh, Mauricio's mother has opinions. And if you don't want to ruin your day, I would not look into them. <laughs> Kyle goes on to say, we could have the first female vice president and... My four daughters and my new nose job are able to see history in the making, and that means everything to me. Then we see a flashback of Erica sending the text to the women, and we saw that conversation happening between Lisa and Kyle and Dorit last week, and apparently she sent that text on Tuesday, so just hours before um, the party and, you know, probably minutes before it was announced to the public. Kyle says that on one hand, she was shocked because she was just with Erica and Tahoe. But then she says, if you look at the relationship from afar, you're not really that surprised. Now, what she was trying to do was separate herself from the opinion that she, um, you know, isn't surprised. But uh, I think we all know that everybody looks at that relationship from afar because y'all don't even see Tom. So you're looking at this relationship from afar. So thank you for telling on yourself, Kyle. I loved it. Then Kyle hints at something going on with Dorit. And we get this back and forth between Kyle and uh, Mauricio and then Dorit and PK. So Dorit's getting ready for the party. She's dressed up in like Cher Horowitz. Um, meets the Grinch and even though this is supposed to be a very patriotic theme and if you forget that don't worry Kyle tells us about 25 times everybody who walks in that it's a patriotic theme and you're supposed to dress in kind and um, so we didn't see what happened but apparently on the plane from Tahoe back home Doree was having a conversation with Crystal Kyle turns around and says Mid-sentence, as Dorit is in the middle of her sentence, interrupts Dorit and says, can I just say something? Dorit is like, bitch, I know you're not interrupting me again. And Kyle's like, what are you talking about? And immediately starts playing victim, even though she was being the rude person. Um, In Kyle's words, Dorit cut her head off um, when she interrupted her and... We see what Dorit said, which was, Kyle, let somebody finish a sentence and then talk. At that point, Kyle starts to cry. (laughs) And Dorit's like, oh, are you really doing this right now? Like, for real? And Kyle's like, you know, if anybody else chimed in, Dorit wouldn't have said anything to them. And PK's like, well, why don't you just give it a taste of their own? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I tried it. I tried it. I failed. It sounded really bad. My apologies. My apologies to all of the United Kingdom. That was terrible. Um, Why don't you, PK says, why don't you just cut her off next time she is speaking, interrupt her. And also make sure I'm there because I want to see that happen. Now, I have terrible housewives memory, but if I remember anything, it's that Dorit has had a problem with Kyle for quite some time about her interrupting her all the time. So to me, it's like Dorit had enough and was like, girl, please, can I have a moment? Can I finish a sentence before you feel like you need to chime in on your feelings? And she's sick of it. But Kyle couldn't handle it. She could not handle it. 
So now Kyle's decided to make a whole big thing over the fact that she got checked for being rude. <laughs> right? Um, we see Crystal on the way in the car with Rob and she says that the weekend in Tahoe was a lot, but with all the election stuff, it's really hard to focus on the petty, smaller things. I love that when they got to Kyle's house, they didn't even make it past the foyer before Rob was like, can we start drinking now? <laughs> I'm I'm loving it. Um, when Dorit and PK walk in, Kyle's standing behind the bar and she doesn't even come out again. Rude. Aren't you hosting a party? Um, doesn't even come out from behind the bar to like greet her guests. She just says to whoever's across from her, who is that? Look, cause she knew it was Dorit. Didn't come up from under the bar or around the bar and did not really, we didn't really see them greet each other like that. So what are you mad about? See, this is why I don't fuck with Kyle. Like, what are you mad about? <laughs> What are you mad about? It's almost like, you know, if taking the racial element out of it, it's almost like Luann expecting an apology from Ebony because Ebony got mad at Luann being mean to her. It Like, you can't be upset at people reacting to your transgressions. So Mauricio and PK and Rob are doing their thing. All the women sit down and Lisa says that she spoke with Erica right after Erica sent that text to all of them. In a confessional, she says, you know, last year there was no sign of anything leading to divorce because Tom was in great spirits and you could see the look that Erica was giving him and they just seemed, you know, like a unit. And then Kyle decides to make it all about her and says, you know, if I was getting divorced, I would have shared that with the ladies. And I'm not judging, but I'm just thinking, gosh, I thought we were closer than that. Like, well, you are judging. <laughs> Why do you need to be involved in somebody else's divorce? This is very weird to me. Like, I understand these people are on a show and they're not like regular friends where you probably, even though they're not that close in real life, most of them, they are close in a business sense. And so you might have to tell them things that you might not tell them normally if you guys weren't co-workers right um in in the media right and so i don't know why kyle feels entitled to this information i don't know why anybody would i'm trying to think like if my best friend got divorced would i be upset that she didn't tell me me before i mean i don't know it's just very weird <laughs> just very strange i don't know she just feels like she deserves to know, and that's a mark of their friendship. And I don't really know that it is. I'm, I'm really trying to think, like, if my best friend got divorced, would I have been upset that she, like, didn't tell me before she filed? I don't know. I don't know. But y'all aren't friends like that. So, you know, there's that. Anyway, Kyle gets bored and ends up bringing up the Crystal and Sutton stuff in my feelings in a way to like dust up more drama between them because who knows why but they're basically like not taking the bait Sutton says she felt good after they left so she's not really sure what else to say and Crystal's like yeah it was good it's fine you know we know she doesn't really believe that it was good or fine but she is going to let it go because Sutton just laid the foundation of everything's good with us so now I have to say it too um 
then we see the guys talking and PK asked Rob, how did your wife feel about her, you know, her first trip? And Rob's like, well, I think she got along with mostly everyone. And PK's like, oh yeah, Sutton. So clearly Dorit and Kyle had told Mauricio and PK about what happened. And Mauricio's like, "Eh, you know, like, I just don't really understand what the big deal is about, you know, Sutton was just trying to give her a jacket. Like, you know, whatever. And PK is like, you know, I never would walk into anybody's room without knocking. And it's like, well, she did knock. I mean, if we're going to be fair, Sutton did knock. Um, but Mauricio's like, what are you talking about? On a guy's trip, you would walk into my room with a nanosecond without even thinking about it. And then they like get into a fake fight where Mauricio says, I wouldn't even invite you to a guy's trip anyway. And PK's like, well, you all you do is smoke doobies and and chill so like I don't even know what I would be missing out on this guy trip anyway so great I don't want to be invited so um then we see Crystal say to the ladies when she got back from the trip she had lost five pounds Lisa starts screaming Kathy gets excited and is like well I guess you should thank Sutton (laughs) what the fuck was Sutton wearing by the way that like (laughs) was she doing like a Shout out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, what? The doily around her neck. The dress with the cat and the... What? Where? She has got to get away from Dolce & Gabbana. You know? Sutton has a very confusing fashion aesthetic to me. Like, I don't get it. What? It's... Trapped between Southern Belle... I'm going to go, I'm on my way to a sprinkle or an Easter, you know, Easter mass at my church. And also this like labels, labels, fashion, fashion, but the choices of fashion are very confusing to me. And I just wish we could get some cohesiveness, cohesion. And I just wish, I almost kind of wish, like, I know a lot of people find um, Margaret Joseph's from New Jersey's uh, clothing choices and fashion choices to be a little bit suspect. I think it's so fun. I think she dresses like so fun, like the fun 60s housewife that you would, you know, you would want to go to into her sunken living room and she's got like a really good you know, like Kool-Aid and crackers with peanut butter recipe and, you know, that kind of vibe. She probably smokes a little bit of weed. You know, she did, you could maybe come to her for an acid tablet, but she, she just seems like a fun lady. You know, I think Sutton might benefit from that look. Like something about Sutton is very sixties to me. And I think she should embrace that anyway. Um, as soon as these women start hooping and hollering about the idea of Crystal losing five pounds and how great that is, Crystal's like, actually, I'm a bulimic. And they're like, oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, so sorry. Oh, oops. Well, it's really brave of you to share that. Oh, forget, forget all the cheering I just made about three seconds ago. Sorry, ma'am. Um, so... Then Crystal starts giving us, like, information about her life. And, gosh, she's really giving us so much personal information that 
none of these women, like, I feel like these women combined have not given us as much about their personal lives as Crystal has in the entirety of her, like, what, five episode tenure on this show? (laughs) I'm loving the transparency. I really, really am. But she says she started becoming a bulimic at 11, um, how at school they had showed a video about the dangers of eating disorders, but she actually picked up tips and took them into her real life and she says now it's not something she really struggles with because it's been so long ago, but you know, and because of that, she doesn't really mind sharing. And it was just like a very nice moment, a really nice moment. And then <sighs> Lisa starts talking about her daughter and her daughter's eating disorder and how brave it is to share and how she felt like her daughter set off a chain for like Kyle to admit that she had an eating disorder. And then now Crystal and, I'm going to leave it. I have so many thoughts <laughs> that are very hot takes that I, I'm going to keep to myself. I'm going to keep them to myself. <laughs> Ugh, okay. Okay. So then should we still be talking about her, her eating, her daughter's eating disorder all these years? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if I were her daughter, I'd be like, okay, we got to stop talking about this. You know, I, I, we don't, Part of recovery is not, I don't know. I don't know. It, never mind. Let me, let me talk about something else. (laughs) At this point, the women and the men gather back together. And didn't you find it interesting that you heard Rob talking to Lorena and she was talking about like, gosh, I, you know, I just can't take another four years. And Rob said, well, it's just another four years, right? Like, what's the big deal? And then she said something about moving to Costa Rica if he got elected, reelected. And he's like, well, I think you're taking that a little far. (laughs) It's like, well, I would like to hear more about this, Rob. I I would like to hear more of your thoughts on that. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it is just another four years for you, Lion King money. But for the rest of us, Let's think about it. Um, Kyle then takes Dorit aside and talk about this big, great fight that happened on a private plane. And in a confessional, Kyle starts talking about how, you know, I can't keep having these conversations with Dorit every couple of months. Then don't. <laughs> then don't. Easy. Easy fix. Um... Then to her face, she basically says, I feel like you hold me to a different standard than the other women. And Dorit's like, okay, last year you had a really bad habit of interrupting me, like in the middle of my sentence. And it feels like you feel that the things that I say are not as important as the things that you have to say. And in the middle of these women having a battle about basically who talks more and who, yeah, basically who who's more talkative um pk tells a story about how he and mauricio were with each other they were drinking they were wasted behind that bar while the women were away in tahoe the women their respective wives both call them pk does a phone sandwich and just puts dorit on the phone with kyle and they're talking and not even realizing that the men aren't listening to them as they're drinking Casamigos or whatever. Um, the irony, the absolute irony. (laughs) Um, so then we get back to Kyle and Dorit and Dorit's like, excuse me, Kyle's like, am I an important friend to you? 
do you actually want to friend invest in our friendship? And Dorit's like, I think I have. And Kyle's like, okay, well, if you really want to be your, my friend, uh, then don't ever talk to me again like that. Because that's not what friends do. And Dorit's like, are you actually turning it around on me? Because I asked you not to interrupt another sentence of mine. <laughs> and then Dorit comes out with some receipts about how last year she Kyle tried to insert herself into a conversation. And, excuse me, how she try to insert herself into a conversation that Kyle was having. And Kyle said, fuck you to her twice. And Dorit's like, you know what? Who didn't carry that on? Because I'm a good friend was me. Did I turn around to you and say not to speak to me like that? No, I didn't. So what, what's good, bitch? <laughs> and so Kyle's like, well, that moment was a heated moment. And, you know, on the plane, like we were all very calm and nice. And I just, I took to heart what you said to me last year, Dorit. And I was trying to find a good moment to insert myself into the conversation. And Dorit stands up and is like, you know what? Okay. You should go back to your guests because we're good. And Kyle's like, well, are you saying that because, are you saying that like Erica says we're good? Like in a sarcastic way, like Erica does? <laughs> like it, Erica's at home like, why, why am I in it? See how I get thrown into stuff? I didn't even did nothing. <laughs> And Dorit's like over her and I, I'm happy for my girl. These are the moments where I really like Dorit, where she's just like, I, you hold me to a standard that you, you know, like why everything that you're accusing me of, you actually do to me. This conversation is going nowhere. I'm getting up and I'm walking these Gucci pumps into your living room. Thank you. Thank you. Biden Harris, 2020. At this point, Dorita's over it. She makes up an excuse about her dad being in town and wanting to see him. She goes up to PK and she's like, you know, my dad just got in town and I just feel like we should get back to him. And PK's like, do you want to leave like in a minute or right now? And she's like, immediately, if not sooner. Thank you. <laughs> um, all the women think that Dorit just left because her family is in town. And Kyle's like, no, no, that's not why. <laughs> We just got into it, and Kathy's like, well, Sutton, aren't you glad that you're not the one in getting into it at this point? <laughs> I feel like we're headed very quickly for a Sutton versus Kathy um, vibe. Kathy will win, and I will laugh the entire time, and I can't wait. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. There was a scene of Garcelle and Sutton going to buy Sutton's, uh, you know, the first Bentley she was able to own without asking permission. Congrats to you, Sutton. Hashtag girl boss. Thank you. And congratulations. Uh, then we go to Crystal's house. More transparency and just loving it. She and um, Rob are talking about the election night party. And he's like, yeah, I really like Mauricio. He's got great wines, beautiful wines. And we, I had a conversation with Sutton. I guess they have Jennifer Tilly in common. And he thinks Sutton seems like a nice lady. And Crystal's like, yeah. <laughs> this feels like a relationship that I would be in of he's really nice he's really friendly he's very likable people like him he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt and he's just like a lot nicer than me a lot more forgiving <laughs> and then we see a flashback of Lisa talking to Rob and Crystal about how her daughter had the eating disorder and how brave it was for Crystal to share that with the group and Lisa's being very strange this season, right? Between the, like, Harry Hamlin had a friend who raped somebody and how this enters into Denise and um, thank you for your wife for talking about an eating disorder that my daughter also has. Like, I, I don't really understand what Lisa's game plan is. I'm confused. She and Rob start talking about how Crystal actually really likes food, but then Crystal says she doesn't even like to say that because of the weird relationship she has had to food in the past. And, um, and then she starts talking about you know, more about growing up and how she felt like she was a chubby kid and um, how growing up she just wanted to be American. And being American to her meant blonde, skinny, and white. And how she really had to like talk herself out of that and I saw a lot of people um suggesting that maybe Crystal and Rob are a Camille and Kelsey situation like we all know how Kelsey said in the aftermath of their divorce how he had given uh Camille the gift of the real house as a Beverly Hills and sort of like a thing she could have in the wake of their divorce, like it, I still don't really understand what point he was trying to make or wh what he thought he was doing with that conversation, but th that's what he said. <laughs> but I guess people feel like this might be Rob's like, I'm throwing this thing at you so we can, so I can cut bait and get out of here. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like people thought that he and Sutton had very like good sexy vibes with each other, but also I don't, yeah. I don't I don't quite see that. I I'm going to need more of Rob and Crystal to really determine if that's the case. Then we see a scene of Kathy and Kyle going to visit Sutton at her store. Kyle starts getting excited about how there are jeans, Sutton's selling some new jeans and Kathy's like, "Those jeans are ugly." <laughs> They're talking about mom jeans and I felt like this was like a perfect summation of Kathy and Kyle, where Kyle's saying, Kathy's just pointing at something and being like, I don't like that. I know they're in fashion. Do not care. Hate it. And Kyle's like, they're all so ugly. I do agree. But I feel like I need to fit in with everybody else. And so I just wear these ugly mom jeans because they're in fashion. Mm. 
Um, Sutton is going to be having a Parisian themed party at her house. And Kyle, of course, can't help but mention that it's actually her house and Sutton's just renting it in case you guys were wondering. And I just feel like, girl, if she's putting $20,000 in your pocket every month, I, I don't know if we really need to be roasting her, you know, especially when she is so like Kyle can't have, she can't let anybody else have anything. Like the moment we see her actually go into that house during the party, she's taking pictures. She's talking about how she wants to move back into the house and how this is like bringing up all these feel like she cannot let anyone have anything. <laughs> she was so jealous walking into her house. If you want to move there so bad, you still own it. Move back in. Move back in. Why does seeing how Sutton set things up, it made you, oh, it brought back all these memories. Like, girl, let it go. Let the house go. <laughs> let the mouse go and let the house go. Anyway, um, the girls sit down and Kathy's like, I just want to know what is going on with Erica. I want to find out everything. Have you guys talked to her? Like, what is going on? And they decide to text Erica because they think she's coming to the party, but they're not entirely sure. And Sutton's like, well, I do need to know for like the catering. Y'all don't eat. No, you don't. <laughs> you could get this party catered for three people and you would still have leftovers in a party of 12. So let's not even play that girl. Um, then Sutton starts talking about how she's going to be bringing pieces from the store into this party and how desperate she is to have a party and how she loves Paris and she usually goes four times a year and she likes to walk in the rain and um, smell the croissant from the Betsy and, and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, ma'am. Okay. We get it. Kathy's like, listen, ma'am, I asked you guys about Erica. If we're not talking about Erica... Let's get into this business model and the store layout. So um, I don't really think that you need that furniture over there. I also see that your closet is empty and Sutton's like, oh, well, that's a powder room and everybody needs a powder room. And Kathy's like, yeah, everybody needs a powder room, I guess. And then she points out some curtains and she says, what's behind there? <laughs> Sutton's like, oh, well, there's a kitchen. And the face that <laughs> Kathy made of like, what? Like, you, excuse? Disgust. Disgust. And looking at the curtains, I have to agree. I'm forced to agree that if I walked into a space and I saw some, like, heavy black and white curtains, I would not expect there to be a fully stocked kitchen behind that. It, it's a choice. It's a real choice. And I appreciate Kathy... For saying what needed to be said. She really did. Like, Kathy looked at her. Like, Sutton said that, that kitchen was like an S&M room. Like, <laughs> there was a full leather whips and chains back there. Um, Kyle basically says what we probably all figured, which is that Kathy runs everybody. And I mean everybody. Not Kyle and Kim. All the women. She's the matriarch. <laughs> And Kyle says sometimes she has to tell her daughters, hey, you can't wear that thing that you're just put on because uh, Aunt Kathy isn't going to like it. Love that. <laughs> she rules with an iron fist, even though 
She can't even see. I love it. Um, Erica does text back and say that she is coming to the party. So we get this very interesting, like, off-the-beaten-path scene with Lisa and Harry. We find Harry doing what I'm assuming most married women wanted their husbands to be doing in this year of the pandemic, which is, like, getting tan, building your biceps, um, getting a beard that is, you know, rugged but not too rugged, you know, um, and building a functional garden. That's hot. That's really hot. Harry shows her the compost box and Liz is like, so does that fertilize itself? Do you have to put poop in there? Is there poop involved in the, the fertilization of the compost? What goes in there? Poop or not poop? Where are we landing? Where are we landing on the poop? It's, it's no poop by the way. Um, and then <laughs> there was something about the Santa and Santa Anna winds coming in and how they should do a fire drill. And so Harry makes her do like a real fireman kind of drill, like take those like old school hoses out and take it out to the yard, come back, turn on the engine to start the water and, and I guess keep it from watering the area so the the fires don't go on your property it, then lisa says honestly like i don't really know what harry hamlin sees in me and i'm inclined to agree but i'm inclined to agree in a non-shady way i also don't see what, <laughs> like they don't really make sense he seems like very stem math and science oriented and he just seems very like what is the word just like very cerebral very into things and she just seems like she's constantly just like those videos that we're seeing all in the pandemic of her like you know shit rattling in those bones around to you know blurred lines or whatever while harry's looking up you know critical theory and in a book like in an actual book um it's interesting, but I, I like their dynamic. I thought it was really cute how they were starting to talk about Erica and Harry's like, send my best to her. And I just feel like, you know, my first divorce was really hard. And then my second one, I was just like, take whatever. And then he turns to her and makes her pinky promise that she won't do that to him and that they won't get a divorce. And I just thought that was very sweet. It doesn't have to make sense to you guys. At the end of the day, if you guys are making pinky promises to not to stay together forever, that's very sweet. <laughs> then Lisa ruins the whole thing by talking about how she gives great blowjobs. And it's like, I, you know, I'm very pro-sex. It's not that. It's just that, like, I, I don't know. Something about Lisa talking about blowjobs just doesn't hit my ears in a good way. I just don't want to hear it. I don't like it. Anyway. Um... Then we get Sutton preparing for her Parisian-themed party. And she says, like I said, she usually goes to Paris four times a year, blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like I've never been to Paris. But I have never... When I picture Paris, I don't picture going to a lunch and having my friends clothes from her store and mannequins and a whole like jewelry display set up with the price tags on it um i 
not heard of that. I don't, I don't know what fashion house they do that at. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you could have lunch at like Louis Vuitton, but do they do that? I mean, and if they did, they're a store, right? This is not their home, right? Um, it was just weird. Like, is this a actual lunch or are you trying to sell your ugly jewelry? Which is it? Because you said Parisian themed luncheon and not, I need to bring my checkbook. I don't know. Kyle goes to Crystal's house to pick her up before the party and as Crystal's making them tea, Kyle's talking about the weather and she's like, oh, it's so cold outside, but, you know, I was so tricked by the weather yesterday because it was like hot and, um, now it's not anymore and... I'm sorry, I can't take my eyes off of your purse. And <laughs> like literally the flashing between Kyle like not being she was like it was like an out of body experience where she's could not take this uh, her eyes off of this damn purse. I'm thinking, okay. Yeah, it's an Hermes purse and I get it. But it's smaller than the Birkin. So I thought like you know, it would be cheaper, right? Smaller, cheaper. $95,000. Woo! <laughs> nice! Good, good on you, girl. Good on you. It's disgusting wealth. That's so much money. <laughs> that is sick. That's really sick. And Kyle was seething. She was hot under those puffy sleeves, wasn't she? Woo! She could not take it. She was mad. She was so mad because she knew how much that that purse was. She's like, wow, you just have it on your kitchen table. Damn. Ooh, she was pissed. (laughs) Um, Then they get into Kyle's able to collect herself finally. And she's like, oh, right. Let me um, find a way to complain about Dorit. And I... She starts talking about, like, you know, I admit to being sensitive, but I'm not a pushover. And, like, she seems like she's now going for, like, the badass um, situation. Like, you started all of this. (laughs) What do you mean? Like, why are you creating this shield and defense for yourself? You did this. You did it, girl. Anyway, um... The girls come up to the house, to Sutton's house for the party. Lisa realizes that she's wearing the exact same ugly dress as Kyle. And, uh, okay. Lisa does this thing where she, like, like flamingo walks, runs away. And is like, ah, I can't believe it. I can't. Ah. I can't take it. Um. That was about it. The girls sit down. They're all waiting for Erica to arrive. And Garcelle says... <laughs> Garcelle fucking killed it. Garcelle says that she was shocked about the news. And how a year earlier she had gone to lunch with Erica. And Erica started talking about Tom. And got emotional about how um, Tom had taken her son in. And how he really took care of them. And she was like, I just can't imagine going from there to that and compounded with the fact that I talked to Erica a week ago and she was talking about Tom, like they were very much in a very loving relationship. And I just find it very hard to believe that she would file. So she's like, are you guys sure that she's the one who filed? And they're like, yes. 
positive. And then Garcelle says, don't you think she should have waited? <laughs> and then everybody's like, what do you mean? And Garcelle doesn't say anything. She's like, just letting that sentence, the question float in the air for people to understand what she meant. And then finally, Dorit's like, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> and then Lisa and Kyle are like, well, what is she saying? What do you mean? And um, Garcelle's like, well, I don't know. I just feel like they've been married for so long. And like... <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, Garcelle. <laughs> like, why didn't you just wait it out, Erica? How much longer could he get? And then in a confessional, Sutton's like, yeah, he's like 81, 82, but people live to like 100 now. <laughs> and then we end yet another to be continued. We can't have all a to be continued screen at the end of every episode. I said this last week and I say it again. But we end the episode with now we're back, Erica in the car, getting out of the car, walking down the pathway and walks in the door, pushes her um, right arm to close the door. And it was just like a completely artistic moment of seeing Erica with her arm on that door, slamming it shut. And there's a cross behind her on the wall. And it's just like pure art. I will put it in the, uh, the, um, collage for the episode description. So you can see it. If you have, if you don't know what I'm talking about, she's just looking very stoic and she's like, I'm here. I'm ready. I know you guys have been talking about me. Let's do it. Ready to rumble. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for, thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.